Welcome to Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Well, this is only the second week of a new series called Be Intentional. That's that video that I was supposed to let you watch. (laughs) Uh, And the idea behind it is pretty simple but profound. For the last year, life has happened to us. We've had very little control over uh, our world shutting down, over having to quarantine, uh, and things would change. You know, as cases would come up in particular organizations, things would lock down more. We've had very little control. But as we rebuild our lives now, it would be a mistake to let the world continue to happen to us. Now is our chance to be an active part of how we rebuild our lives, to rebuild it in a way that's better than it was before. And that is a very holy and God-given thing to, uh, to allow our fingerprints and God's fingerprints to be present in however our life is rebuilt. But it takes effort. Well, that's what be intentional means, right? It means that we have to show up and be part of it. And it also means more than just Sunday morning. It means living with that attitude all the time. And so we have a gift for everyone today. Uh, We're going to have it today. If you're joining us online or watching this later, we'll still have them in future weeks. Don't worry. But we have these bracelets. And well, it says Trinity UMC on one side, but on the other side, it says be intentional. And it's designed to be a reminder. So let me just... Let me just tell you how it usually goes for me. So that when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Jeff, will you be involved in these 20 events during your time off? And I start to go, yes, wait a second. No, but I will give my whole self to one of those things. Now see, that's living an intentional life. And these bracelets can help to be a reminder so that we focus on it in the best way we can. Now, I can't help you make the daily decisions of your life, and that's what we're really talking about. That's, you know, the bracelet is just a reminder for that. What I can do, though, is give a few words about what's most important and about as you rebuild your life, how to focus. And so the first few weeks of this series are going to be about how to make God the foundation. If you've been around a while, you know that a few weeks ago we we had this example on the altar. I had these blocks that I was stacking and there's a a blocks of, um, of, of God, of ourselves and of the people around us. And the biggest block is God. And no matter how I tried to stack it, if God wasn't on the bottom, if God wasn't the foundation, the blocks wouldn't stay stacked. And that's the point of these first few weeks of the series, is how do we make and keep God at the foundation as we rebuild intentionally? And today we're talking about worship. So think about it for a moment. What has your church worship been like over the last year for you? You know, everyone connects differently with worship. For some, it's music. For others, it's prayer. You know, I always think of an old friend of mine who, when they pray, her face, there's an intensity in her face. So simple. I don't even know if it's in her features or eyebrows or what. But when she prays, 
She prays. <laughs> when someone else prays, even if the words aren't great or perfect, she is so there in that prayer and just, just noticing, not watching. It's not like I was, you know, being uh, uh, creepy the whole time or something. But just watching the intensity with which she prayed was, was, was worship. Or maybe for you it's scripture or preaching, learning like what I'm doing here now. Or maybe it's the community around you. So what has it been like for you this last year? It's been difficult. Now we're beginning to come back in person, but it was only a few months ago that we still had zero people here other than the worship team. When I spoke only to the camera and all of you were on the other side, what was worship like for you? The music was still great, but it's not the same as hearing the band in person. Prayer is still prayer, but I find when I pray on live streams at home, because I've done it too, I, it is way easier for me to be distracted, way easier. Community? Well, the chat bar on the side is, was a godsend and is a godsend, and I hope that those of you that are online now are still greeting one another in the chat bar, but it's not the same, is it? It's, not, it's certainly not the same as in person. And even if you've kept up the habit of worship, the discipline of weekly worship, maybe your heart hasn't been the same. Maybe it feels like more of a chore because it's not the same. Now, this doesn't describe everyone I know, but I'm asking you to consider what has worship been like for you in the past year? Well, let's start at the beginning as we talk about what worship should be. Worship is a, is a word that's a little bit difficult to define, at least now. Uh, we have magnetic poetry on our refrigerator at home, and we have two young kids. So it's always fun to see what the latest creation is on the refrigerator. This one lasted for over a year. I had to take a picture of it. What do you think? Worship that bitter sausage. Now, I do not know what that means. I mean, I like brats as much as the next guy, but as a definition of worship, that's the worst. The worst? Let it sink in. You'll get it on the way home. <laughs> or, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes we talk about hero worship, maybe. Some people think that worship is what we call a Sunday gathering at church, and well, yeah, we do call it that. But we don't have a lot of context from our English language about what worship really is, do we? We don't have a lot of examples. And I don't really want to give you a definition. I'd rather show you what worship is. And today's scripture is one of the more profound moments of worship in all of human history so far. And it's a story called the Transfiguration. Now, Transfiguration is another word we don't use very much. What it means is a change in form or appearance. So when a flower goes from this to this and blooms, that's a transfiguration. Another fine example is a caterpillar. This is a classic one for Jesus especially in resurrection. So think of a caterpillar for a second. Now maybe you're the kind of person who can find beauty in anything, but to me that's a bug. If I were sitting on a bench and I saw that crawling on my arm, I'd go like this. <laughs> I mean, that's what would happen, right? That's a bug. But then it goes through gooey, gooiness and ickiness, and you know what happens next. It is transfigured. It is changed in its form and appearance. In today's story, Jesus is transfigured. 
Now, I'm going to read the story slowly and deliberately because it's a story to dwell in. And I want to point out three things as we go along. The first is that worship requires effort. Now, here's the backdrop to the story of the transfiguration. Jesus has been going around doing healings and teaching, and he's attracted quite a crowd. Now, I'm sure some of them were there to, uh, to hear his teaching. There were others who heard his teaching, but were probably there for the healing, right? Either way, this is a crowd that really wants to see Jesus. And, and it had to have been difficult for Jesus and his disciples to have all of this neediness around him. Now, do you get what I'm saying? Now, I'm thinking more of the disciples than Jesus. But it's not so easy to have that around you 24-7 all of the time. And once Jesus was starting to show what he could do, everybody wanted to be around him and the disciples too. And there were lots of times when they were tired. Oftentimes, they're, the pa- they're in between the passages we read in church, but there are a lot of times when Jesus goes off on his own to pray, when he goes away from that for a little while. And this time he goes away for a while, he takes Peter, James, and John with him. Now it starts simply. Six days later, after the last story, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them to the top of a very high mountain. A high mountain. Now think about this for a second. I know I'm reading between the lines a little bit, but I can picture Peter, James, and John saying, Jesus, we're tired. And Jesus' response is, okay, let's go mountain climbing. (laughs) That's not my definition of what I do when I'm tired. But worship requires effort. They were already tired, but they had a mountain to climb. Now, if you want to experience God, you've nearly always got to put in some effort. Now, God is God, and God surprises us, and sometimes God comes when we don't expect it or even when we don't want it. But most of the time, we have to show up. We have to make the ground fertile. I'm mixing my metaphors, aren't we? We have to climb in order to meet God halfway, and it's when we've put our effort in that God shows up. Now, it's been a hard year on worship, like I said, to be on the live stream every week, and there comes a point in the disruption where you're tempted to give in, where, where all of that effort, uh, along with the anxiety of a world going through a pandemic, makes you just want to sit in your chair. You know, I would imagine that there are those who've been vaccinated that are, a bit, are, are still worshiping online off and on, and I would invite you to come in person if you are comfortable to do so, because it's not as scary as it might seem sometimes. You know, we're starting to see more and more people who are comfortable in person, and they all say that it is so good to be back. Now, it's true, it won't ever be the, life in general, or worship either, will never be quite the same as it was before. But Trinity has always been known for its great sense of community, and it's so nice to experience a little bit more of that on Sunday mornings again. But we also have some rebuilding to do. And that won't happen unless we put in the effort to be there for one another, to make Trinity even more than it it has been in the past. Being in God's presence means doing our part of the work to get there, usually. And that means we have a mountain to climb. Okay, so the second thing I want to point out is that worship is good. 
Now, do you see how I underlined the word good? You know, in, uh, in, in English, the word good doesn't have the highest place, right? Great is better than good in English. You say, oh, how's the pizza? Oh, it's pretty good, right? But in Hebrew and in Greek, the word good, and especially anywhere in the Bible, the word good has a weight to it. It has a, a, a solidity to it, a, a substance to it. When God says, let there be light and creates the heavens and the earth, there was morning and there was evening the first day, God sees it and God says, it is good. Now, the Hebrew word is tov. That last letter is kind of a cross between a B and a V in English, tov. And God creates the animals and says, it is it is good. Uh, and so that is a word that carries weight. So with that in mind, here's what happens next. They go to the top of a very high mountain. Jesus was transformed in front of them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. Peter reacted to all of this by saying to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. It is good for us to be here. Do you hear the weight in that word? There is a heavy holiness to it. Now, have you ever had a too-good-to-be-true moment? Because I think the word us is important too. There's something about these moments where we know it's not about us. There's a, there's, a, there's a we to it. There's a, oh, I wish so-and-so were with me. Oh, do you see what's going on? There's a communal aspect to it. Now, there was a time, now I don't mean to compare this, but <laughs> this was a time in my own life that, that, that I think uh, uh, illustrates what happens next with Peter. Uh, one of the people I've looked up to for a long time is David Brooks. Yes, that's right. I am quite the nerd. Uh, any PBS NewsHour fans, New York Times columns? Hey, a little bit. All right, we got a few hands at first service. Uh, and, he, and, and an author, too. And I got to meet him. Now, if, if only because there's someone here who's seen me do this more than once, I'll show the picture. What do you think? It's not good. Now the screen stops working. Okay, it'll pop up in a minute. I got to meet David Brooks, let's just put it that way. And as I was walking, waiting in line to get my book signed, what was going through my head was, don't say something stupid, don't say something stupid, don't say something stupid. Because he's one of the smartest people on this earth, and he has, he has given me so much insight. I didn't want to go up into him and just be like, uh. <laughs> but there's that tendency, Right? I say this to set up the fact that the next thing out of Peter's mouth, quite honestly, was something a little bit stupid. <laughs> so Peter says, Lord, it is, uh, it is good that we are here. And he says, if you want, I'll make three sh shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. In some, in some uh, uh, translations, it says, we'll make three tents, or we'll make three dwellings, one for you. What? He's seen, he's seen this amazing thing. He's seen Moses and Elijah standing there with Jesus growing light. And he's like, do we set up tents or something? <laughs> I mean, he's having one of those dumbfounded moments. 
but God smiles and loves him. And the moment only gets more special from then. While he was still speaking, Peter saying this, look, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I am very pleased with him. Listen to him. Having heard this, the disciples fell on their faces, filled with awe. Remarkable, isn't it? Can we take a moment just to bask? Just to bask in what happened on that day and in this moment of pure worship that Peter, James, and John, and Jesus experienced? Well, these moments generally pass, and gently too, and it goes on from there, of course. But Jesus came to them as they had fallen on their faces on the ground, and he touched them, and he said, get up, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Now, I think Matthew, the gospel writer, is trying to tell us that Moses and Elijah and this bright cloud were no longer there. But if you'd permit me to take this verse out of context just a little bit, I think there's something else we can learn from the way it's worded in English translation. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Jesus was it. Jesus was their world. The problems of their life they were still down below, and they weren't even crossing their mind. The hurt of the world, so great, didn't even occur to them in that moment. All they saw was Jesus. Something about worship renews our focus on what really matters, on what's most important, on what comes above and what comes before all things. Worship is good. And the last thing I want you to notice is that worship changes you. Now, we can't encounter the holy without committing, at least on some level, to being the person that God made us to be. And let's be honest, sometimes that means casting off who we want to be. Or or perhaps even more commonly, casting off the person we've settled for as we've let life happen to us. It means something about worship means casting that off and becoming who God made us to be. Now, the end of our scripture, I'm only going to read half the sentence because what happens next, I think, is a story for another time. But it ends like this, as they were coming down the mountain, comma, You can't stay on the mountain forever, can you? Worship isn't a place you can hang out in forever, nor should it be for that matter. Because while it's important to have moments where we see nothing but Jesus, the truth is our daily problems are still there. The truth is the world still is hurting down below the mountain, and we're called to help. And so Jesus, James, and John, and Peter come down the mountain 
and they meet a crowd following them around just as you might expect. Now Jesus greets the crowd with compassion and he begins the work of healing and teaching again. Now I think it's safe to say that if it weren't for that time on the mountain, Peter, James, and John would have had a harder time coming by that compassion, don't you think? <laughs> it's because of that moment that they were able to re-engage that work again. It's a reminder that while worship helps you to rise above, the world still needs you and the world still needs us. And it's because of worship that we're able to engage it to the fullest. And so we come back to our theme again, be intentional. Every now and then, God surprises us and comes to us without us having to climb the mountain. But most of the time, God asks that we meet him halfway. God asks that we put in the effort. And that means intentionality. That means we have to gather the right gear to go mountain climbing. It means we have to travel to the right base camp. It means we have to have the right friends to journey with. And that doesn't happen by accident. If we just wait for the mountaintop to happen to us, we're going to spend most of our life miserable wondering what's wrong with God, what's wrong with the church, and what's wrong with religion. You know, our gathered worship on Sunday is a big and important part of, uh, of worship, but it's not just that either. We also need, all of us need time, need ways to find worship at home each day of the week too. For me, music is a big part of it, and especially my headphones. The pandemic taught me that. There's something about putting on headphones, and I have big ones too, by the way, symbolically. Putting on the headphones that shuts out the rest of the world for a few moments. It's like going up the mountain. You know, the, my problems are now below. They're somewhere else. They're outside of the headphones. Sometimes I create music. Sometimes all I have the energy for is to listen. You know, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's going outside and enjoying nature. Sometimes just stepping out on the back deck and taking a deep breath or two is a true form of worship. But music is never worship for me if I don't go to get my headphones. Sometimes they're in another room. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Sometimes it takes effort. Even breaths of fresh air are worthless if you never get out of your recliner. So I ask, are you making the effort to climb the mountain and to meet God? Are you making the effort? When we sing in church, are you really, really there for that song? When we pray, do you work like my friend does to focus on God despite the inevitable distractions? Do you take time, now it doesn't have to be fancy, but do you take time at home to cultivate intentional time with God? Because if you, if you do, it will really change your life. You'll start to see the world as God sees it. You'll start to see yourself with the love and value that God sees in you. And you'll find yourself naturally becoming who God made you to be. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for this remarkable story on the top of the mountain. We thank you for the example of Peter, James, and John, and Jesus climbing on that day. Lord, help us 
to put in the effort to meet you. Thank you for the times you come to us even when we don't. But Lord, help us to be intentional about carving out opportunity to be with you. Lord, help us to recognize in those moments that it truly is good to be in your presence. And then, when the moment is done, help us to come back down the mountain, ready to be your servants in this world that needs your healing presence so badly. We pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.